you know, I was doing the school run. I think it was Monday, I think. I was doing the school run. And I picked up the kids from school. I was heading home. It might surprise you, but I had a thought. Now, that doesn't happen often. But this particular day, I had a thought. And the thought was, I really wish that I lived in the days of the apostles. Have you ever thought to yourself, boy, I wish I lived in the days of the apostles? See, in those days, there was miracles and there was signs and there was, and there was wonders. In those days, the, the power of the Holy Ghost was, was falling on people and they were being baptized in power. The lame could walk and the, and the blind could see and the, and, and, and the deaf could hear and the, the dead were being raised. I mean, wow, it must have been awesome to live in those days. And I said, Lord, it must have been amazing. It must have been amazing to live during the days of the apostles. To have seen the, the supernatural power of Almighty God working and manifesting through these guys. And then I thought about the day of Pentecost. When fire came down and baptized everybody who was in the room. And that launched them into a supernatural ministry. It, it enabled them to go out and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ with, with power and with authority. It must have been amazing. And I really thought to myself, I would love to live in those days. But to be completely honest with you, I really didn't think about it properly. I didn't really process all of the information properly. And what I mean by that was all the information is right there in the book of Acts. But I only saw the good stuff. I only saw the easy stuff. I only saw the exciting stuff. What I didn't see was the persecution. What I didn't see was the, the hostility that there was toward the church in those days. What I didn't see was the level of anger and hatred that there was against the church and against those people who preached Jesus. So then I had to go and read the book of Acts differently. From a different perspective. And I focused on things in a different manner. Now... I understand that the, that the apostles, as, as much as they were highly anointed and sent out by God to perform miracles and signs and wonders, but they were also just as much hated. They were just as much persecuted because of their faith. But these guys were bold enough. These guys were aggressive enough. They were faithful enough to God and to the, the cause and the purpose that he'd called them to, to keep on keeping on. You see, church, I believe that we are living in days today, in 2021, that are very similar to that of the apostles. We today are living in apostolic days. And my worry is this. My real concern is this. Though we are living in apostolic persecution of today, we are not living in apostolic power. And my genuine concern is the apostles lived under this continual threat of persecution, but they also lived under the power of the Holy Ghost. And my concern is that 
We are in days of apostolic persecution against the church. We're living in those days of apostolic persecution against the church. But the church is not moving in apostolic power. The church is just not. Pastors can't even go into a hospital anymore to pray for the sick and dying. Now, I know that families can't even go into the hospitals to see their loved ones who are, who are sick and dying. But if we as the church, I just don't mean new beginning, if we as the, the, the church of Jesus Christ were operating with apostolic power, with miracles and signs and wonders, then the hospitals would not only be phoning pastors, but they'd be contacting even every Christian, pleading and begging us to go into the hospitals to lay hands on the sick and the dying. I believe that even though the church is, is starting to experience persecution in these days, let's face it, guys, we're, we're getting a great deal of hostility right now, the church. Even getting hostility because we're open during a pandemic. But this persecution is going to be used by God as a, as a catalyst for good to ignite the church and to get the church back to apostolic power. But here's the question. How are we going to get back to apostolic power? Well, the answer to that question is very easy, but the path is not. The road is not so easy. We have got to take the same path that the apostles took all those years ago. Don't you think? And it all starts in the upper room. It all starts in the upper room. With 120 men and women who recognized the importance of the task that was in front of them. It started with 120 men and women who understood that in their own human strength, there was no possible way that they could accomplish the task in front of them. So what did they do? They set themselves to praying. They set themselves to seeking God and crying out in faith for the promise that Jesus gave to them, promise of power from heaven. See, just before Jesus, Jesus left, he told them that they would receive power after that the Holy Ghost had come upon them. Luke 24 verse 49 says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. See, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that in their own strength, they could not accomplish the work that he had left them to do. That they'd need supernatural power from heaven in order to accomplish that task. Because Jesus knew that their battle was spiritual. He knew their battle was against demons and principalities and powers of darkness. He knew that. And he also knew that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the baptism of fire would equip them for the battle for that spiritual fight. And I love it. They came together in one place with one accord to struggle in prayer for that promise that Jesus said was coming. Your Bible scholars say that those guys stayed in the upper room for 10 days. They waited for 10 days for this power. Because that's what Jesus says was coming. That's what Jesus says they would receive. And that's what they were struggling for. Power from heaven. Listen to this. Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, 
All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly they were, they were filled with supernatural power from heaven. They weren't moving in the weakness of their, own, of their own flesh anymore. They were moving by the power that created the entire universe. That's, that's mind-blowing. That blows my mind wide open. Now he, he was living on, on, on the inside of them, resting on them and flowing through them like rivers of water. This is where we have got to get back to We've got to get back to the first words that Jesus spoke regarding this, this baptism of fire. He said, go to Jerusalem and stay there until. How long? Until. How long is until? It's as long as it takes. It's as long as it takes. It's until heaven is open. Wait until the, 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 uh, the, the human weakness isn't even visible anymore because we're closed with the strength. It's wait until the fire of God rests on us and through us and sets us on fire. It's, it's wait until we start speaking by divine power and authority. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And they waited some more. Who knows the art of waiting is lost today? Who knows that? We live in this microwave age where we want everything in our own time, which means we want it now. Now, 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 now. We want to read the Bible for one day and wake up tomorrow morning with all knowledge. We want to meet a girl or a boy one day, get married the next and have kids the day after that. We live in an age where people want to get a job and get promotion the month after. We live in a microwave generation. You know, the Holy Spirit could have just rushed in. When those 120 guys got to the upper room, the Holy Ghost could have said, yep, they're there. Let's go on and get them. But there's something important that takes place during the waiting. Who knows that? Who knows there's something important that takes place during the waiting. Hmm. You see, in the waiting, motives are exposed. In the waiting, attitudes are corrected. In the waiting, a hunger for the things of God is increased. In the waiting, the lukewarm and the half-hearted are sifted out. See, waiting increases our capacity to, to receive. What's waiting? Waiting is God's way of preparing us to receive what he wants to give us. Because I just want to say, guys, that the willingness to wait for something reveals the value that you place on the thing that we're waiting for. See, I love my wife. I love my wife with everything that I've got. I would give up my life for my wife. But I cast my mind back to 15, 16 years. When did we meet? 
16 years ago? 16 years ago? Close. 16 years ago. <laughs> but I remember back sitting in the car. I'd just taken her home and I was sitting in the car and I, and I told her I loved her. And my heart was pounding. And she turned to me and she says, Thank you. Appreciate that. And I was got it. My heart ripped out of me, stepped on. At that point, I could have quit. I could have just walked away then. But I waited. And I waited. And I waited. Then one day, she told me she loved me. And she spent the last 14 years. No, I'm only joking. She waited. I waited. See, the greater value that you place on something, the longer that you're willing to wait and persevere for it. Say amen, church. And now it's time for the church to get back to the upper room. It's time for the church to get back to that receiving posture again. It's time to position ourselves before God as the early church did with that same until attitude. Wait here until the power comes. See, Jacob had that attitude. He, he wouldn't let the angel go until the angel blessed him. The angel says, you got to let me go. Morning's coming. And he says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. This is where we got to get back to, guys. I won't let you go till you bless me, Lord. I won't let you go until you pour out your spirit on me. Till, till, till you clothe me with power. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go till you fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to let you go till you consume me with holy fire. We're not going to let you go. Do you know the reason? The reason that we're not experiencing apostolic power today? It's because there's so little apostolic prayer. That's the truth. It's so good. I'm going to say it again. The main reason why we're not witnessing and experiencing apostolic power in 2021 is because there's so little apostolic praying. Because when the church gets back to apostolic praying, then we're going to get back to receiving apostolic and operating in apostolic power. You see in the book of Acts chapter 4, it says that when the apostles had been threatened, talking about after they were threatened for the preaching of the Lord Jesus, the Bible says they were gathered together and they prayed. This was their prayer. Oh Lord, hear the threats of the people against us. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they preached the word of God with boldness. In verse 33 it says the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was on all of them. Then in chapter 5 verse 12 it says the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Wow! The point is they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. There was a, a fresh baptism of apostolic power that came on them whenever they prayed. 
You know, that's the main reason why governments right around the world are trying to, to, to forsake the coming together of God's people, trying to stop God's people from gathering together in the name of Jesus. They're not afraid of our singing. They're certainly not afraid of our preaching. What they're afraid of is our praying. Because when the church really gets down to the business of praying with power, and yes, you can say, well, pastor, we can pray at home. We can pray at home. We can do all these things at home. Listen, if the disciples had have had that attitude, then they wouldn't have experienced the day of Pentecost in, in the way that they experienced it. Praying at home is one thing, but praying corporately as a church is something completely different. It's not the same. And when we pray together, the church is going to emerge clothed in power, and that is what the devil is afraid of. Because a praying church is a dangerous church, dangerous to the plans of hell. And guys, never before in the history of this United Kingdom of Great Britain has there been a greater need for men and women who know how to pray, who know how to groan in the Spirit, who know how to labor and how to agonize before God to, to, for, this, for this power to confront the devil and to destroy his wicked ways than there is right now. If the church does not find her knees in prayer, then the church is going to lose everything she has. What is it that makes the church? What is it that makes the church of Jesus Christ the church of Jesus Christ? It's not social nights. It's not getting together. It's not dog collars or, or comfy seats. It's not, it's not amazing worship. It's not stained glass windows. What makes the church of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is the presence and the power of Almighty God in and flowing through the people to heal, to restore, and to deliver. That's what makes the church the church. And the only way to receive that is prayer. He's with me so far. Praise the Lord. You have the greatest privilege and the greatest honor and the greatest responsibility that has ever been given to the church is prayer. And if we feel in the area of prayer, we feel everywhere. Do you pray? Do you pray for your children? Do you pray before your meals? Do you pray before school? Do you pray before you do anything? Is God in the center of everything that you do? Are you praying at home? Are you a praying family? See, if, and I say if, in this most critical hour of our history, that the church neglects its most critical responsibility that she has, which is to pray, then we are handing our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren to the devil on a silver platter. I believe we need praying men and women in the church today. Men and women who will show up and open up their mouths and pray. See, Jesus says, says, my house shall be called to all nations. A house of prayer. That's why there's such an attack against church attendance in this generation. I'm hearing so much garbage. Who knows there's garbage in social media? 
I'm hearing so much nonsense and so much garbage on social media about new age and Generation Z and how much we've lost a generation of church attendance through, through the pandemic, through social media, through, through the internet. And to be honest with you, I've never heard so much nonsense and so much defeatist talk in my entire life. Complete rot. I'll tell you what will lose your generation. Let me tell you what will lose a generation of church attendance in this decade. Are you ready for this? People like that who tell our young people that it's okay to miss church. Who tell our young people it's okay to stay home because when two people are gathered together, that's church. You don't need to go to church. You can just have church online. This is the new way of doing things. Just have church online. Just, just, Just watch prayer meetings online. You can just have church at home. This is the new way. That attitude is what will lose a generation. That mindset is what will lose a generation. And shame. Shame on those people who put that into the hearts and minds of our children and to our young people. Shame on them. You see, the devil has got an agenda to destroy this nation. In fact, he's got an agenda to destroy the world. But through prayer, guys, through prayer, we introduce the kingdom of God into the equation. And when God's kingdom is manifested, the enemy loses. The enemy loses every single time. And what's wrong with, with, with people who think that we've lost a generation is they're trying to reach people in a new way. Oh, we've got to have more tech. We've got to have more social stuff. We've got to have more. No, you need to get more of the word of God into them. Because that's what changes lives. And for some time now, prayer of the church has been, Oh Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, deliver me. And and rightfully so. But I'm convinced that the church now has to assume a different posture. It's got to assume the posture of militant and aggressive. Because if we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, do not take a militant and an aggressive stance against the evil and the principalities and the powers and the rulers of this dark world that is destroying our nation and our young people and our children, we will lose our country, not by conquest, but by forfeit. In other words, it'll not be because the devil has more power. It'll be because the church simply has failed to access the power that is available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in apostolic days of of, of evil and persecution. And now the church has got to return to apostolic power and we return prayer. And when we return to apostolic prayer, we're going to see the return of apostolic power. We have got to get serious with this thing. We have got to get serious with this thing. If we don't change the world for Jesus, it's not getting done. I want more for my children. Look at them. They have no clue what's going on. Because they're five and three. But I want to leave a better world for them. I know who it's on. It's on the church. And we are dropping the ball. Watch it online, guys. We're dropping the ball. We've got to get back to the apostolic prayer. Keep your eyes on social media for what we're going to do in this place. To step back into apostolic prayer, we are going to hit the year 
hit the year. We're going to hit the ground running 2021 with prayer. I can assure you, and I don't care what the government says, we're going to pray and touch, and touch a nation for Jesus. Hope I've helped you this morning. I really do. I hope you're leaving with a different mindset. And maybe you don't pray at home. Maybe you don't read the word. Maybe you don't pray with your children. Maybe you pray the old time. I hope this inspires something. That you'll pray with your kids every day. Twice a day, three times a day, four times a day. That they'll know that prayer is real. That it's not just a thing you do on a Sunday or a thing you do at bedtime. But that it's real. I love my, my daughter. Make it to a little bit. Isabella, if he says, I've got a sore head. She's overlaying hands on her. It's natural to her now. Just to do that. It's never too late to get that into your kids, guys. Prayer, 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 prayer. Come and stand to your feet. Come and worship the King of Kings. Because he's worthy. Amen. He's worthy. Thank you, worship band.